All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Come on, let's just give it up for our team leading us. Pastor Mike, thanks for ushering us into the Lord's Supper, uh, not casually, but effectively. Uh, and, and my heart is stirred toward Jesus uh, through this time of worship and through the sharing of God's word. Thank you for that, brother. Uh, well, welcome once again to Walk Church. Honor everybody that's here in the room today, and I'm super grateful on behalf of my wife Nina and I. My name's Hayden. If uh, this is your first time here, and it's an honor to serve the senior pastor of Walk Church here, and I want to go ahead and invite you to uh, lean into this sermon today as we continue in our series that we've titled, The God of More. Come on, just say it with me, The God of More. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, wake up, God has more for you. God has more for you, God has more for us. I, I'm convinced that God wants to do more, that God is not done working in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world, and in us, that God is the God of more. We, we've talked about it a couple weeks ago as we celebrated our five-year church anniversary out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Here's what that first part of Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now to him who's able to do far more. And so when we, when we think about him, when we think about Jesus, who's the hope that we just sang about, when we think about God, when we think about Yeshua, when we think about Elohim, when we think about the God of the Bible, think about the God of more, all right? I want us to lean into that, and we're, we're doing that. So last week, we talked about how God wants to do more in me. So before we think bigger externally, I want us to think bigger internally. I want us to think that, hold up, if God's going to do more outward, he's got to start by doing more inward, right? He's got to do it in me, and then he'll begin to do it through me. The, the way of the Bible is that God first gets a hold of a man, gets a hold of a woman, and he begins to work greatly in them, which leads to working greatly through them. And so we're going to keep working outward from there and never miss the reality that God wants to start in us. So we're moving from God wants to do more to God wants to do more in me to now God wants to do more in our church. The title of today's message is God wants to do more in our church. Amen? Come on, do you believe that? Yeah, hey, if one person claps, we all clap, all right? We're going to... Unless they clap at something that's not, uh, not right, we're going to just boo. No, I'm just playing. Um, but let's go ahead and make sure that we do that. Yeah, God, God wants to do more in our church. If you're watching this online, God wants to do more in our church. I hope that you'll see a few points from this message today that may get you excited or reignite this flame in you with the potential that, man, God wants to do more in this house. God wants to do more with his body. God wants to do more in this church. So I have three points. There was a lot that I could choose from, but I said for the purpose of time, let me just narrow into three points of application that God wants to do more in our church. The first point is God wants to do more in our church through prayer. God, God wants to do more in our church through prayer. It's, it's not a super wow statement. In fact, some of you right now probably are feeling like me when you're like, Oh, man, here comes the, the hammer that says, I don't pray enough, right? And if you feel that way, just know I, 
I feel the same. I, I can relate. I, I know that feeling well. But hopefully through the scriptures, we'll just go ahead and pull a few points of application that may just remind you the beauty of prayer, the power of prayer, and not just individual prayer, but I believe God moves through corporate prayer. When the body comes together and prays, God shows up and does things that he would not have done if we wouldn't have came together and prayed. I'm convinced that this is not a new topic. This is a New Testament topic. That as you study and survey the New Testament of the Bible, you'll find that God just tends to show up at the prayer meetings. And that the New Testament church would gather together on a regular basis for the purpose of prayer. And so I want to look at that in the scriptures together. Turn, turn with me if you have a Bible to Acts chapter 1, the, the beginning of the application of the church, right? We see Jesus walk with his disciples. He then commissions them in Matthew 28 to then go therefore and make disciples that would make disciples that would reach the nations, that would plant churches and baptize people and disciple people, right? And the disciples then gather together in the book of Acts. The word Acts is short for action. This is the church in action. What happened after Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven? He commissioned the church into action. How do I know that God wants to do more in the church? Because this is the church in action. We're not done yet. The book of Acts has not been finished yet. Friends, we're living in the final chapters, amen? Like if you read the book of Acts, chapter 28 ends very anticlimactic, right? There's not a big and then everybody lived happily ever after. It was finished. The book of Acts chapter 28 ends with, okay, then Paul was in Rome and then he, and then it ends. You know why? Because we pick it up. We're living in Acts chapter 29 right now. We're living in Acts chapter 30 right now. And so I, I believe that there's some patterns in the book of Acts that we can learn from. So Jesus, he ascends into heaven. The disciples are there, and they're figuring out what to do. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, all these with one accord were, say this with me, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I want to just highlight that part right there because I think it's, it's so important that we see that when, when, we, when you study the, the local church, when you study the church in action, the New Testament church on display, right, Jesus has placed his spirit into his people, and what they do is they are commissioned then to start worship services. We don't see that right there, right? To have small group, we don't necessarily see that right there. To have Bible study, we don't even see that right there. These things are really good things, but what do the body of believers do first? It says that they got together and they began to devote. Think about this. What, what are you devoted to? When I think about my life, there's things I'm devoted to. I don't know for sure if I would be considered one that's devoted to prayer. I think I'm like, I'm friends with prayer, 
I'm cool with prayer, like me and prayer, we're cool, but I don't know if I'm devoted to prayer like, like I see in the scriptures. And I can only imagine what the God of more would do in this body if we together left today and said, okay, here's what I got from the sermon. I need to be devoted to prayer. Right? Not like, hey, I pray here and there. I actually pray when I wake up and when I go to sleep. I don't know if that's considered devoted, though. What would it look like if we devoted ourselves to prayer? Now, you may be thinking today, under the deception of Satan, that you are godly enough, holy enough, you've been a Christian long enough that you don't really need the prayer meeting. Like, there's more important things for you to get to rather than to come together to pray. And I would challenge you today, if Mary, the mother of Jesus, felt the need to devote herself to prayer, you should too, amen? If the brothers and the disciples and the family of Jesus felt the need that the first thing we're going to do after Jesus ascends into heaven, they were looking up, staring into the clouds, and then two angels dressed in white, dazzling clothes showed up and said, Psst, hey, what are y'all doing? <coughs> and they were just like, we don't know what to do. Let, let me give you, let me give you an uh, uh, application. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. When you feel like you're in a place where like, I'm not quite sure what to do. At that moment, just do what you know to do. Here's what they said. We don't quite know what to do, but what we saw Jesus do and teach us to do and what he modeled is to come together and pray. And we just found that vision came from prayer, power came from prayer, multiplication came from prayer, Miracles came from prayer, an energy came from prayer, a renewed passion came from prayer, a whisper came from prayer, an idea dropped. Where did that idea come from? Well, we were praying together and God showed up. The room started shaking. We started speaking in languages. We got filled with devotion and passion and then we went and did something. Friends, this is the application God wants to do more in our church, but it will not, friends, hear me, it will not happen until we begin to devote ourselves to prayer. Th things unlock when the church devotes themselves to prayer. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon, the great English revivalist prince of preachers who saw Thousands of people come to know Jesus. God used him mightily. He says, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. No amens. <laughs> Love what he says. He says, we just aren't going to see it, y'all. Until the prayer meeting occupies a higher esteem, a higher passion, a higher energy until the prayer meeting says, ooh, I, I might even miss Sunday, but I will not miss the prayer meeting. Until the prayer meeting gets to this place in us where we go, you know what, I might have to skip out on dinner with friends, or I might miss the sports game, or I might miss this 
casual moment to just get off my feet and sit down and chill and watch something. For Until we get this prayer meeting more passionate, devoted in this church, I really don't think we'll see the more. Spurgeon says it's just not going to, you can't expect change if you're not praying for it. You can't expect people to come to know Jesus at the level that we need people to come to know Jesus. People are dying and going to hell. It's a real place. Eternity's real. How much more should we be praying in 2020 in a season of chaos and struggle and pain? How much more should we be gathering together for the purpose of prayer? Hey, where are you going? I'm going to pray. I can't miss that again. On the first Sunday of every month, we have a prayer meeting. I'm, I'm sorry, on the first Wednesday, first Sunday is today. Uh, this, this is communion Sunday. On the first Wednesday of every month, we have a prayer meeting. I have so often thought, man, I would love to do this prayer meeting every Wednesday, of, every week. But then I realized we can't even show up for one week of the month. I don't know, how could we do it every week? But I really believe if we were to show up on the first Wednesday of every month, hungry, devoted, passionate, zealous for prayer, we would experience God's more for our church. You would experience God's more for your family. The God of more wants to do more in this church, through this church, through the topic of prayer. Do you believe it? Come on, do you believe it? Two of y'all believe it? I read this quote from a pastor named Jim Cimbala. He pastors a church in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Their church started out of a prayer meeting. Their prayer meeting began to grow, and their church began to take off. And here's one thing he says. He goes, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or evangelist is by who comes Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Amen? You can tell how popular Jesus is by who is showing up when it's time to pray. Right? It's, it's one thing to say, yeah, man, this is a good word. You should come on Sunday. The worship's good. The atmosphere is good. The warehouse is pretty cool. You should hear this preacher preach. You should hear this singer sing. You should log on to this online message. But you can really tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to talk to him at the prayer meeting. So I, I, I want to formally invite you to this upcoming Wednesday where we're going to gather here in this room. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Amen? I, I want you to clear your Wednesday schedule. From 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m., I want you to tell everybody, I can't go. Tell the devil, say, leave me alone. Whoever texts me or emails me, whoever has an emergency that night, tell them I will pray for you at the prayer meeting. In fact, invite them. But, but man, can you come see me? Be like, man, can you come see me? We're going to pray. Because God shows up when the people pray. And I believe that you'll be moved when we come together to pray and worship. God will do more when his people pray. Look at the person next to you and say, 
Listen to me. God will do more when his people pray. I really believe that to be true. If you believe it, say, I believe it. Amen. Let's keep on going here. I hope that you'll join us for this prayer gathering. If you're online, we're going to live stream it. And I would encourage you to pray with us. And we'll have a dynamic, powerful prayer meeting that I believe will set the tone for this next season. We'll begin to see the God of more, do God of more stuff through the prayer meeting. And, and, and I would even say one more thing. Is if you just took the challenge to journey through the book of Acts, you'll see that this theme of the church meeting together to pray never stopped. I don't know why it stopped in America. But you'll find all throughout the book that the church gathered together to pray and got hit with new vision. The church gathered together to pray and God sent more people. The church gathered together to pray and he released them to move. The church gathered together to pray and the miracles came from it. So I want to encourage us. God is going to do more at Walk Church through prayer. Amen? Mm, I really believe it. I hope that you believe it too. Let me give you the second point. God's not only going to do through, more through prayer. He's going to do more through reconciliation. God is going to do more in our church through reconciliation. God's going to do more in our church through prayer, I believe it. And biblically, I believe God's going to do more in our church through reconciliation. The Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5 that God has now given his church the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Reconciled first to God vertically like if today, like as Pastor Mike said, if you're not right with God, get right with him today. God would love to be reconciled to you. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're not reconciled with God. I love you enough to tell you that if you don't know Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life, you are not right with God. You are actually wrong with God. You're on the wrong side of the game. You're on the opposing side. Nobody just stumbles into heaven on accident. Today would be a great day to get reconciled to God by confessing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and then acknowledging the Savior is real. And He has a name. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Amen? Come on, say Jesus. Right? Be reconciled to God, but, but don't just stop there. As you're reconciled to God, be then reconciled to one another. And I believe that God will do more in our church, in our groups, in our family when we prioritize reconciliation. This is messy. This is challenging. This requires faith. This requires God dependence. The task of reconciliation is no easy task. I can imagine that there's somebody right now that's just thinking, why did I come to church today? I wanted to hear something different. But I really believe this is the exact message you need to hear. You might not want to hear this message, but if God's going to do more in your church, in our church, and through, in you, and through you, you have to prioritize reconciliation. Let me give you a couple verses, all right? These verses, maybe write them down, think about them, meditate on them, and see what God drops into your spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. So, check this out, Walk Church. If you are offering your gift at the altar, 
In other words, you up in here today, hope has a name, right? You in worship, you are just bringing it, right? And then in the middle of offering your worship to God, there you remember, hold up. My brother or sister has something against me. Check this out. It doesn't say if you remember you have something against somebody else, but you remember that somebody else has something against you. Here's what Jesus says. He says, leave your gift there. In other words, time out, push pause on your worship, and say this word with me. Come on, one more time. Say it with me. G-O spells. Come on. Green light means this word says. Oh, if we could just get a new fascination with the word go. God would do more in our church if we understand the word go. Go and make disciples. Go. Where do I go? Go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. I recently heard a pastor say, Oh, how much worship never makes it to heaven. How much stops at the ceiling? How much void worship we bring to God on Sundays because we have yet to prioritize reconciliation. If we're going to prioritize reconciliation, we have to get more comfortable with these two words. I'm sorry. Amen? Amen. We have to get more comfortable with the phrase, I forgive you. We have to get more comfortable with the phrase, I'm choosing to let it go. We have to get more comfortable with the phrase, will you forgive me? I missed it. I was in the wrong. I didn't know. I assumed. Forgive me. And then on the other side, being able to say, I forgive you. What happens there is there's a release into heaven and God starts to do more. I'm convinced that God would do more in our church. And I can't tell you about other churches. But I I do know he'll do more in this church if we prioritize reconciliation. I I I remember once hearing a story from a pastor named J.D. Greer. He's the pastor of the Summit Church in North Carolina an amazing church in Raleigh, Durham. And he said, he, I once heard him share that he was doing a Bible study um, in college. And he was doing this college ministry and he was made to be one of the leaders of this college ministry. And week after week they would have this Bible study and it was so powerful but it wasn't growing. It was the same people every week and they were inviting people and they were setting up, they were putting out the snacks, they were doing everything they could to promote it and it just wouldn't grow. And one night, J.D. says he caught this revelation through reading these verses and said, I wonder if it's not growing because we haven't prioritized reconciliation. And he gathered the group together and he said, is there anybody that anybody here needs to make right with somebody else because we just can't afford not to make it right. We want to see God move, amen? 
And one of the main leaders of that group said, I've been harboring bitterness in my heart toward an individual here at the school, but I've been prideful. I didn't want to share it. I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to get messy. I didn't want to get uncomfortable. I didn't want to take a step. But because you said it tonight, JD, I'm going to go do it. And the story goes that this brother went and initiated with this person. He said, you did something that hurt me, and I want to tell you that, and I just want to share that with you, and I want to ask you for forgiveness. Or I want to share this burden with you. I want to get things right. I want to reconcile. And this person then said, I'm sorry, and I... I forgive you, and then this person said, I forgive you, and then there was this reconciliation, and this person came back to the group, and then they reconciled and shared this testimony, and then other people started reconciling, and before you knew it, this group just exploded on the campus, resulting in this miraculous birth of revival on a campus, and it started with prioritizing reconciliation. And I want to just challenge you today, maybe there's somebody in your life, maybe it's a family member who you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe it's somebody who used to go to this church but doesn't go to this church anymore. Maybe it's a church that you left. Maybe it's a a friendship from high school. I don't know what it is, but I want to just ask you to pray this prayer. God, is there anybody that you want to bring to my memory that I need to initiate with? Don't fall into the trap of waiting for them to do it. You go do it, amen? Maybe it's sending an email. Maybe it's sending a text. Maybe it's making a phone call. I, I recently got, got a word that somebody was offended by something I said. They didn't say it to me, but they said it to somebody who then told me. And so I just went and found this person's phone number and called him this week and said, hey, I, I want to clarify and apologize for where I missed it. And help me see it. Help me see cl- more clearly because I want to get better. I want to grow. What if we all just started doing that, Amen. You know what would, what would happen? It would be really messy and uncomfortable, but God would start doing miracles in your life. Amen? Are you telling me, Pastor Hyden, that it would be easy to do that? Heck no. It, 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 it'll require you to pray. What a good... You might have to go to the prayer meeting before you do it. You might sit next to the person at the prayer meeting and then make it right there. I've just found that what comes from reconciliation follows miracles. Let me me show you another text. Matthew 5 leads us to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, it's going to happen, y'all. Can we just be honest? Like somebody in this church is going to offend you even sin against you. Like this happened 2,000 years ago. We haven't figured it out yet. It's going to happen. It it will happen. It might even be from me. I don't want that to happen, but it might happen. It might be somebody on our worship team. It might be somebody on the youth team or the, the kids team or our setup team or somebody who's leaving the parking lot who cuts you off. Somebody's going to offend you. Here's what you should do. Come on, say it with me. Come on, one more time. Type it online. Go. Jesus loves the word go. At one point in time, the father looked at his son Jesus and said, go. 
And Jesus said, I'm on a reconciling mission with you so that one day you might go on a reconciling mission and go make it right with somebody else. The church should be the picture of unity. We're not. More people today laugh at the church for how divided we are. They say, I don't want to be a part of that. I got enough division in my life. I don't need to add to it this way. But what if we were the picture of reconciliation? Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, here's what you do. Go gossip about him. No. Go tell somebody else about him. No. Go Facebook Live about him. No. Go slander him. No. Go have a spiritual way of gossip by saying, hey, can you just pray for this person because they beep, 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 beep. No. He says, if somebody sins against you, go to them and tell them. Between you and everybody that's there, no! Between you and him alone. Oh, I so want this to take, I want this to just take full force in our church. Like, all right, hey, if you like football maybe, right? Here's the play, guys. Ready? Go, let's get in the huddle. All right, here we go. Here's, here's the play. All right, you're going to go reconcile. You're going to go reconcile. You're going to go reconcile. All right, ready? Break. Let's do that. That was the message at church today. If you do that, if he listens to you, if she listens to you, you have gained your brother. You've gained your sister. Right? This is a principle Pastor Dean deposited into my life. It's not just go, it's gain. Amen? Right? Like, come on, I want, it's gain season. I want gains. I really believe God wants to, he wants the number to increase in our church. I look around and I see too many empty chairs here. We need to have gain moments, amen? I want to see gain happen. How's the gain going to happen? You got to go. Somebody needs to be reconciled to God. Somebody needs to be reconciled to you. If the person doesn't listen to you, at least you listen to God. It, it's a big if. It's risky. The person may not respond to your text. The person may not come back to our church. The person may not come to Thanksgiving dinner. The person may not respond. They might even be really messed up and leave the little red receipt. <laughs> Right on your tech, like they read it, but they didn't respond to it. Right, they might not respond to the Facebook message. They might not. They might just hit you back with a K. Man, that bothers me when somebody just responds. You send this whole big old message, they just put K. I need God help me, help me to reconcile with those people. The K's, right? You might get only that, but hey, how freeing is it to know that you did what what God what God was telling you to do? That you can say, hey, look. I didn't get the response that I wanted. It might come a year from now. It might come two years from now. It might come two weeks from now. But you can say, hey, as far as it depends on me, I've strived to make peace with those whom God has called me to make peace. This is a New Testament thing. Let's not get outside of what the Bible coaches us to do. Amen? Go make it right. So if you remember somebody has something against you, initiate. If you remember you have something against somebody else, go initiate. Just go do it. And just watch the God of more start to do more.
he might unleash something more in your life. I love what Colossians 3 said. The Apostle Paul, was, he was offending everybody, right? He knew all about this message, which is maybe why he wrote in Colossians 3, verse 13. He says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We're called to be forgiving others as they have complaints against each other. We're more like Jesus when you forgive. Like, listen to me, church. You might be the Bible that somebody needs to read. Jesus is a picture of forgiveness. When you extend forgiveness, oh man, when I blow it as a husband and miss it, which happens all the time, and Nina forgives me, I'm like, Jesus! He's in you right, he's through you right now. Like, I'm expecting a a fight, I'm expecting an argument. It sometimes happens in married life. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Sometimes it happens and you're expecting it to go sideways and my wife goes, I forgive you. I'm like, oh my gosh, praise the Lord, right? I see Jesus in you. When I offend a brother or a sister, it happens and you you work it up, you work up enough godliness to go initiate and say, will you forgive me? I, I was wrong. And they say, I forgive. You see Jesus in that moment. Where two or more are gathered, Jesus says, I am there. Have you heard that verse before? Do you know that, what the context of that verse is? This. Right after Jesus says this, he says, bearing with one another. One has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, dot, dot, dot. For where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Here's the good news of the gospel. When you show up for your reconciliation moment, Jesus is going to meet you there. That's good news, amen? Like he has bloody hands. He died for this thing. Will it be messy? Yes. Is the cross messy? Is reconciliation messy? Is it, is it messy for Jesus to carry a 500-pound cross? Come on, Jesus was ripped, amen? Thing it was heavy, Mike. He did it for you. He did it for me. We can initiate with one another and say, I want to make it right. I know that you know that I know that you know we're not right. I want to make it right. And maybe you just say, whatever it takes. How much do I pursue making it right? Whatever it takes. If a person says, please don't contact me again, You can respect that, but at least you did what you could do. Amen? Amen. I believe God will do more in his church when we prioritize prayer, we prioritize reconciliation. Rick Warren says it like this. He says it, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. You guys catch that? There's a difference. right? The goal is not just to be resolute. There's too much fakeness in the church where it's like, hey, look, I'm going to be fake with you. You be fake with me. We won't ever have a real conversation. We'll just live surfaceably fake. But just get past that wall. Burst through that wall and say, no, no, I'm not okay with that. The goal is not resolution. I want to be reconciled to you. I'm so glad God didn't do that with Jesus. It is unrealistic to expect everyone to agree about everything. Come on, in, in, in uh, October of 2020, can we say amen to that? It's not going to happen, and that's okay. Reconciliation focuses on the relationship, while resolution focuses on the problem. When we focus on reconciliation, the problem loses its power. 
When you say, hey, I want to focus on reconciliation, it doesn't really matter if you're on the left or the right side. It's about the relationship. It doesn't really matter what somebody said or didn't say or should have said or could have did better. Or you, just, you get past that and you say, okay, I want to be reconciled. There's so many... There, there's some, I, I, like, as a husband, I'm using some married, married examples. Even as a father of three little boys that are wild, like they're, they're amazing, but they're, they're rambunctious, rambunctious, whatever that word is. Um, I can't tell you all the problems. Sometimes there's arguments, I can't even remember what they were about. Amen? Does anybody else know, what I, know, the, know the feeling? But the relationship goes beyond that, right? If you focus on the relationship, God will do more. All right, third and final point, and then I'm done. God wants to do more in our church through prayer. God wants to do more in our church through reconciliation, the third and final point. God wants to do more in our church through increasing our commitment. I heard somebody say, yeah, I like it, yeah, amen, right? Through increasing our commitment. And when I use the word our, I'm talking about yours and mine. Let me ask you this. What would it look like in this final point of the sermon? What would it look like for you to increase your commitment? If God really is going to do more in our church, through our church, the church is not a building, amen? The church is a people, right? We are the church. If God's going to do more in and through our church, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like increasing our commitment. Where do you need to increase your commitment? That, that, that's what I want to ask you. Here's some statistics of this past year that I read earlier this week from Barna Research Study. Church dropouts have risen to 64%. That was the name of an article that came out a few months ago. People are basically saying, hey, I'm dropping out of church. The reasons are many. Irrelevant, boring, too much division, not enough truth and gospel, too much funny stuff, no power. 64% of people are saying, I'm, I'm going to do something else. That's not okay, amen? Increase your commitment. Another article came out a few months ago, June of 2020. 20-somethings. Sorry, let me make sure I got it right. 20-somethings have resilient faith but are leaving the church. I don't know how that even works, how you can have resilient faith yet leave the church. That is a contradictory statement to me, but it's where our culture is today. The church is irrelevant to many, but that shouldn't be the case, amen? Amen. The church should be the most relevant thing in a person's life. This is the body and bride of Christ. What if we said, I'm going to increase my commitment? On June 4th, an article came out about the Southern Baptist Convention, and our church has a SBC affiliation. It says, Southern Baptists see the biggest drop in 100 years between baptisms, church attendance. The numbers have went down in the past hundred. That shouldn't be the case. Friends, listen to me. What if we increased our commitment? 
What if you said, you know what, I'm not going to allow whatever is the circumstance to decrease my commitment, but to increase my commitment. What does it look like for you to increase your commitment? Barna study says, a faithful churchgoer goes once a month. What de who's defining faithful? What if you said, I'm going to increase my commitment, I'm going to go twice a month. Right? What if you said, I'm going to increase my commitment, I'm going to go three times a month. Come on, what if you said, I'm going to increase my commitment. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's 2020. I go to church every week, and I go to the prayer meeting. I decided to increase my commitment, and I go to a charge group. Right? What, if, what if you said today, you know what, I've been going to this church for a few years. I love this church. I even go to a prayer meeting, but I don't go to a group. I'm not really about that community stuff. It's too, it's too close. What if, what if I just said to you today, increase your commitment? Increase your commitment. Maybe you would today say, I've been a part of a group for several years now. I've thought about even leading a group. Increase your commitment. Go ahead and stay. Maybe you've been a part of this church for several years now or several weeks or several days. And maybe you say, every week I hear them talk about generosity and how God does in and through this church, through the generosity of the church, how we're planting churches up and down the West Coast and in, here in Las Vegas, Nevada, how we have a food pantry that's feeding people, how we're supporting the Women's Medical Resource Center and uh, goodness gracious homeless ministry and mission work uh, locally and globally, and we're getting in the game through giving. But you say, you know, but I don't ever give. I don't know how they do it because I don't give. What if you increased your commitment? The, the first step of generosity is called tithing. Like, I'm unapologetic about tithing. Is it uncomfortable to talk about? Yes, but it shouldn't be because God says the first step of giving starts with taking 10%. But I don't want to just stop at 10%. I want to go to 11%. God says he loves a cheerful giver. Increase your commitment. I'll tell you what. The minute you start giving financially to this church, your, your, your commitment will grow because now you're giving to it. When you start giving something financially, you're going to be like, I'm going to be there Sunday, and those lights better work, right? <laughs> and you better preach a good message, right? I'm giving to this thing, right? I, I want my communion cup, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in this thing now. When you don't give to it, your ownership level is not there. Increase your commitment. Here, let me give you the challenge, all right? Can I just give you a challenge? If I can give it, say give it. Here's the challenge. Let me put it up on the screen. Drop the kind of mentality. Friends, look at me. Drop the kind of mentality. Hey, do you go to church? I kind of go. Are you saved? I'm kind of saved. You go to a group? I kind of go. You on a diet? I'm kind of on a diet. You trying to get out of debt? Kind of. You tithe? Kinda. What? You go to church? Kinda. Easter, you know, I kinda go. Part of a church. Have you ever been? No. <laughs> okay. I kinda serve. I kinda go to school. What? What does that mean? You gotta drop the kinda mentality. Do you pray? Kinda. If you're gonna increase your commitment, you gotta drop the kinda mentality. Like, let me just be transparent. For the past several months, I've been saying, 
I'm going to kind of get in shape. I'm going to kind of start working out, honestly. Like, I've, I've been telling Pastor Mike that. I'm like, I'm going to kind of, like, and I just don't do it because the kind of mentality doesn't work. You'll kind of not do anything at all. And so for the month of October, I said, I'm going to increase my commitment. Literally, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, it's not much. I'm running one mile a day, and I invited some different people to, 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 to do the challenge with me. I said, can y'all hold me accountable? I invited some runners that are already doing it, right? So I have to, like, I know they're going to do it. So I was like, I'm going to just put myself in a winner's circle, right? I got, I got to keep up, right? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Get a new room, right? Where you, where you got to increase your commitment. I said, you know, I can't keep kind of doing stuff. Nina and I last year said, we, we've been kind of trying to pay off some debt. We got to just drop the kind of. We got to go full force and do this thing, amen? At, when, you st- when you finally say, look, I'm going to kind of stop playing church, and you start increasing your commitment, God will do more in this church. Watch. When you say, I'm going to... C- I'm not going to kind of share the gospel like, Jesus loves you, but like, I'm not going to talk about anything else. That's a kind gospel, which is no gospel at all. Preach a full gospel. Increase your commitment. Amen? Maybe during worship, you're like, I kind of worship. I like sing some songs. I don't sing all the songs. I like hum some part of the song. I don't really like lift my hand. Like, what if you increased your commitment? Woo! I'm dreaming about a church. I'm dreaming about Walk Church's next five years being way better than the last five years. It's only going to happen if you say, I'm going to increase my commitment. Only you know what you need to increase. Only you know who you need to reconcile with. Only you know what you're doing Wednesday night. Whatever you're doing, increase your commitment. As I close with prayer right now, I just want to say this uh, personally to you. I'm going to see if I, can, uh, if I can get through it. But uh, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I'm really, I'm really challenged in this third point to increase my commitment. I mean, this is a church. This is family. This is family business, family language. If you're watching this online or your first-time guest, just you get to you get to like lean into our family meeting, right? Last night, I got to stand by the bed of my brother Peter Casella. And I just, as, as he took his final breath and went home to Jesus, the only thing I could think was, increase your commitment. If, if Brother Pete was here today, and, and he, he would be here, amen? This is a brother who was committed. Peter Casella would be sitting in the front row. Whether his family was here or not, he brought his whole family to church. All seven kids, his wife, his family, took up a whole row, ran the race hard, would go out every day and preach the gospel in the street, 
wake up at 5 a.m., cook everybody food, and bring out food out to the homeless. He said, look, I can't wait for other people to do it. I got to do it. I got to increase my commitment. And as we, as we, as we hovered around his bed, it's just, what are we doing? As we sang that song, Hope Has a Name. His name is Jesus. I'm just picturing Peter stepping into eternity. Like, he had to have a whole, like, container storage full of riches he stored up in his 70-plus years. I mean, he lived a hard life full of all types of struggle and sin and things that he would say personally he would not be proud of today. But he had a change moment. God saved him and changed his life. And he said, I got to increase my commitment. I'm going all in with Jesus. And he, 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 he changed the city. He changed my life. And so I just want to encourage you today. I don't know if you need more motivation. But I wish my brother was here right now. So let's pray. Come on, let's just sing that for Sean. Oh, Christ. 
Christ be praised. Let's say it together. We have victory. Amen. Father, thank you that the victory is found in Christ. God, whether we increase our commitment or not, you have given us yours. And if you stop believing in God, he never stopped believing in you. He knows your name. He knows that you're a sinner, but it doesn't scare him. So go ahead and leave it all at the cross today. Jesus has bore the wrath of God in our place so that we could be saved and set free, so that we could take communion together, so that we could have a hope and a future. God, we can't wait to see our brother Peter again. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, get to know him so that you could, you could see him again, that you could be in heaven and see Jesus face to face even greater. Just confess your sin right now. Just say, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. You are sufficient to save me. Place your Holy Spirit in me. Increase my commitment today. I commit my life to you. I, I, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, he'll do it. I believe he died. He rose from the grave. I believe he'll do it. And today, I just want to pray for everybody in the room right now. That God, they would, number one, they would be here, Lord willing, for First Wednesday prayer. And commit to it, God. We'd fill this room up with prayer. We'd see you do more. And then second, God, I do pray for anybody who's here who just knows there's somebody who they need to initiate with, somebody they need to reach out to this week, somebody they need to just say, hey, I'm sorry, or if somebody reaches out to them, they extend forgiveness. Whatever that looks like, God, I pray you would give each person in the room the boldness, the power, and the spirit of humility to consider others as more important than themselves and to initiate a meeting, just one-on-one, or if it's more, more than that, to prioritize reconciliation. And God, I do pray on my knees, Lord, I pray that we would experience you more in this church. With this short amount of time on earth, with this blink of an eye moment, that we would experience you more at our church. And God, I really do believe we will. You've given us your yes. In Jesus' name, yes and amen. 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 Amen.